Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It is Tuesday, May 28th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Ahead, the world of weed killing changed when glyphosate became available to farmers via Monsanto's Roundup. It was a cure-all. I mean, you could kill anything with it. Fifty years later, farmers are applying way more of the herbicide than they used to, and lawsuits over health concerns are piling up. First, the news. Well, it was a good start last night for the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup Final. The end, not so much. The Blues lost to Boston 4-2 in Game 1 of that best-of-seven series. St. Louis scored the first two goals of the game. Game 2 is set for tomorrow night in Boston. Missouri Governor Mike Parson is activating the State National Guard to help battle ongoing flooding. He signed an executive order yesterday directing National Guard members to help with response efforts in Jefferson City, where residents are still recovering from last week's tornado. The National Guard is also headed to some other areas of the state to sandbag around a stressed levee, especially near the central Missouri city of Brunswick. Parson says local resources were already strained following historic flooding this spring, as well as severe storms and tornadoes that hit the state last week. A St. Louis Democrat still wants to make sure local voters are the only people who can decide a merger between St. Louis and St. Louis County. Better Together sought to merge the city and county through a statewide vote, but decided to pull its proposal this month. Lawmakers had sought a constitutional amendment to bar such a move, but that measure did not pass out of the state Senate. Representative Lakeisha Bosley of St. Louis wants lawmakers to take up such a proposal next year to prevent any group from proposing a statewide vote for a city-county merger ever again. You had all of these places who were going to vote on an issue that was specific to St. Louis City and St. Louis County and not even consider having the final vote be the citizens of St. Louis City and St. Louis County. To me, that is uh, cocky. Bosley sponsored a ballot measure this session, giving city and county voters the final call on whether to merge. A popular downtown St. Louis sculpture park is turning 10. St. Louis Public Radio's Nancy Fowler reports that City Garden is celebrating by adding more artwork. City Garden opened in July 2009 with 25 sculptures by acclaimed artists including Keith Haring and Nikki Dosenfowl. The park is marking its anniversary with three new installations. Two are already in place, a giant zipper revealing the earth and a whimsical figure uplifted by love but weighed down by money. On June 6th, City Garden will install a sculpture of a smiling face inspired by the moon. There's an element of playfulness about them. That's Paul Wagman, spokesperson for the Gateway Foundation, which funded and maintains the park. He says the spot was a hit from day one. It was embraced immediately. People recognized how how marvelous it was. City Garden will hold an official anniversary party on July 1st. I'm Nancy Fowler, St. Louis Public Radio. When the pharmaceutical company Bayer bought Monsanto last year, it inherited the weed killer Roundup. It also inherited thousands of lawsuits claiming the chemical's active ingredient, glyphosate, can be linked to a form of cancer. But farmers have used more and more glyphosate over the last two decades to keep weeds in check and have a lot riding on its future. 
For Harvest Public Media and the Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting, Christopher Waljasper explains what's at stake. To understand how important glyphosate is to farmers, you have to go back to the 1970s, before Roundup was available. We had a chemical that would kill grass, and we had a chemical that would kill broadly. For the most part, we try to kill most of the weeds by cultivation and that type of thing. That's James Benham. I'm state president for Indiana Farmers Union. He's farmed in southeast Indiana for close to 50 years, growing tobacco, corn, soybeans, and now hemp. When Roundup came out in 1974, Benham says... It was a cure-all. I mean, you could kill anything with it. So farmers spent less time, manpower, and fuel worrying about weeds and were able to implement no-till farming, which reduced soil erosion. Then, in 1996, Monsanto came out with bioengineered corn and soybean seeds that were tolerant to glyphosate, meaning farmers could spray Roundup throughout the year right onto the crop. Now we're, we're spraying as often as three or four times a year. As farmers used more, weeds began to adapt resistance to Roundup. Sarah Ward studies weed resistance at Colorado State University. She says resistant weeds often catch farmers by surprise. When you get the first herbicide resistance weed in your field, your reaction is probably just to think it's a skip. But okay, no, the sprayer didn't reach that one. Um, maybe next year you've got a growing patch and you know, you go back and typically the response is to hit it with a slightly higher dose. And within three, four years, you know, suddenly you've got a whole field of glyphosate-resistant palm amaranth, whatever, that you can't control. Weeds have adapted resistance to herbicides before, but by then, glyphosate had replaced most other herbicides. In 2000, Monsanto's patent expired and other companies could sell glyphosate. So more was used. Weeds grew resistant, and the answer for many was even more glyphosate. And most farmers look at it like, well, if, if, if they tell you uh, use a pint of the acre or a quarter, I'll be a lot better. Which is how farmers got to using an average of 40 times more glyphosate in the Midwest. The Midwest Center for Investigative Reporting analyzed more than 25 years' worth of data from the U.S. Geological Society. They found that in some of the top corn and soybean-producing states, that increase was even greater. In 1992, Nebraska corn farmers applied less than one pound of Roundup per every 100 acres. By 2016, they were putting on 129 pounds per 100 acres. In Iowa, soybean farmers increased their use of glyphosate by more than 6,000% between 1992 and 2016, while the number of soybean acres only increased by 15%. To be clear, it's not like every farmer back in 92 was spraying just a few ounces of Roundup on every field. It's that fewer farmers were using smaller amounts of glyphosate. But by 2016, the chemical was the most popular herbicide out there. In an emailed statement, Bayer spokeswoman Sharla Lord said, quote, Herbicides are an outstanding tool for dealing with weeds, but they must be part of a larger strategy, only a combination of various weed control methods can be successful in the long term. But some weed scientists think the industry is still moving in the wrong direction. I think we are repeating old mistakes, frankly. But some of that is maybe desperation. So it's the lack of alternatives at this point. As Bayer deals with thousands of lawsuits over health concerns, all the companies that make glyphosate claim that it's safe and the Environmental Protection Agency agrees. But in 2015, the International Agency for Research on Cancer classified glyphosate as probably carcinogenic, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recently said more studies are needed to determine the health risks in humans. So while weed resistance is what farmers are worrying about, 
It's the public opinion that makes glyphosate's future so uncertain. They're the driving force for this to happen. I mean, we can continue to go down this road that, that we're, we are with the chemicals and, and, and the way we're doing business, or we can reevaluate and, uh, and come to some consensus on the value of food. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Christopher Waljasper. The executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio is Shula Newman, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt, and from the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.